Jesus, we fix our focus and attention upon you and you alone. One thing have we asked of the Lord and that which we will seek after. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. To gaze upon the beauty and majesty and glory of the Lord. And inquire in His temple. May we be satisfied in nothing else. Everything the world has to offer. Everything the flesh tries to draw us toward. Everything the enemy tries to put before us. Nothing can satisfy us. Jesus, you and you alone are our one total and complete satisfaction. May we rest in that. Forgive us of our wandering. Forgive us of our drifting. And right now we calibrate our attention and focus back upon you, the one true Lord, the one true healer, the one true Savior. Lord Jesus, no, nothing else, nothing, nothing else. We just, we just want you. We just want you to know you, to behold you, to dwell with you, to abide in you. May all of our life be all about you, Jesus. And find in you our wholeness, completeness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for calibrating our hearts and minds to you. Attending us comforting us, challenging us, convicting us, drawing us. So may we yield to you. We thank you. We praise you. We gather and we pray all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You go ahead and be seated tonight again, as Pastor Austin said when we began, slightly, slightly different. We are in the midst of Ten days of prayer. Ten days leading into our jubilee. If jubilee is something new to you, you've not been a part of or know of, um, it is our annual celebration. This Sunday I'll be communicating our why behind jubilee, so I don't want to take uh, too much time now to, to do that. But it is a time set aside to honor the Lord to seek the Lord. Yes, we seek the Lord all year, but we also take time to give thanks for what He's done. Uh, I had a conversation last Wednesday with uh, a woman by the name of Terry in our Durant campus who in this year was healed of leukemia. Um, that last year at this time, the doctors gave her weeks or months to live, and she's now leukemia-free in less than a year. And so just as a church, we want to take time aside to say, my God, you're good. And we worship you and we praise you. And in that reciprocal relationship, in that honoring of him, we also are listening to his direction, listening to his word for the upcoming year. And that's something we do collectively, but it's something we each participate individually as well. Well, a part of set aside seasons is also times of preparation. And uh, 10 days of prayer leading into Jubilee 
is not to try to force anything or make something happen, but just tune our attention to this moment and season. God's presence is always readily available, but we're rarely attuned to His presence. We're rarely tuned in or present to His presence. And so it's important that there are certain times set aside to break routines, to break ruts that we get in and attend to the things of the Lord. And it's not to strong arm God. It's not to try to like twist His arm into doing something for us. Uh, It's simply to calibrate our attention. And so this is day four of that. And... Um, our calibration for this season. And so I'm going to share just a couple things about prayer or a little bit about this season or moment. Um, And then we will take some time to pray together um, more in just our our worship, but in in prayer. And I want to begin just with a couple verses from 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 in the ESV, in case that needs to be clarified. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, so, just quick side note. Um, you know, I, I grew up with the King James Bible. And I know that there's at least a couple of you in here that just truly adhere to that being the only Bible. And that's cool. It's cool for you. Um, but there, <laughs> there's, there's so many verses locked into my brain in the King James Version that when you memorize something, and that was something we did as kids, memorizing Scripture. In our school in, in Durant, all the kindergartners learn um, the ABC Scriptures. Uh, and so at five years old, they're integrating the Word. Well, those ABC Scriptures were designed uh, when I was in kindergarten. And so it's King James. And so it's A, all has sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's so funny hearing a little five-year-old saying thou shalt be saved. (laughs) So that's a side note. So English Standard Version. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, um, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. There is an appropriate confidence, not arrogance, not ego or bloated pride, but there is an appropriate confidence that comes when our faith is calibrated to the character of God. This is our confidence toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Anything according to His will, He hears us. And then verse 15 And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. Remember, whatever we're asking is in alignment and in accordance to his will. We know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. I am still in the process of learning how to believe Scripture says what it, it says. Have you ever, have you ever, like, you, we say, oh, we just take it like it is. No, you don't. No, you don't. You, you select, you wiggle, you work around it, especially the uncomfortable verses, um, or you have 
maybe decades, in some cases there are hundreds of years of doctrine that bloats Scripture, kind of conforms it to a certain experience that we're trying to create in people. Um, and um, there is a simplicity to faith that we're called to that is a childlike faith, not a childish faith, not a childish faith of immaturity, but sometimes we can be so mature that we, we lose our childlike faith and wonder that maybe he means what he says he means. And then as you get older, you have experiences that don't align with what it says. And because those create some internal tensions, we have questions that we want answered. And sometimes we don't get sufficient answers. And so we twist, we wiggle. Sometimes we go, well, maybe I just don't understand it. Or maybe we push it aside and say, it's true for some, but not true for me. Or some maybe well-meaning pastor or denomination tries to do little dances around this that it doesn't mean exactly what it says it means. Um, and it's tough. I wish, I wish the life of faith were easy. And that everything made sense at the first grasp. But here's, someone said, I was having a conversation with someone uh, yesterday. Um, uh, and we were talking about, like, why, why is, is grasping and grappling with Scripture not just more simple? And I'm like, and I'm, like I'm, I'm there with you. And I'm like, well, A, I, I wish the same thing. But B, if it was, this book would not have lasted the thousands of years it's lasted. It's because there's mystery, there's uncertainties, because it's not about the book, it's about the person. The book is the truest scripture that points towards the truth, which is Jesus. And um, when it comes to faith and standing in faith, speaking faith, having the spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4.13 talks about having the same spirit of faith, being able to see with the eyes of faith, it's, it creates, it, it, it does for us, it creates an incongruency. It, it, it recognizes that there are certain experiences or, or situations that are not in line with what God says. And so how do we bring into alignment the things that are outside of God's will into God's will? That, like, that's, that's our life. Because... Assuming we know God's will and his word is his will, that's where we can be confident. There are some things about God's will that can be mysterious and uncertain. And it's a whole lot of relationship with Jesus. And just you try something in faith and you mess it up <laughs> and you fail uh, and you recalibrate. Um, there's so many things that aren't clear in Acts chapter 15 verse 30-something, 32, 38, 28, 28 or 32. Um, this is after the Jerusalem Council, and the apostles were grappling with what does this faith look like to be inclusive to the Gentiles? And do we impose our, our Jewish tradition and structure and framework 
do you have to be Jewish to be a follower of the Jewish Messiah? And there was a, it, was, it was a major turning point in the early church. And they, they, they made a decision. They wrote a letter to the churches and they sent with the apostles. And in that letter it said, And it seemed good to the Holy Spirit in us. If the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're on the day of Pentecost, receiving like the Pentecostal fire of the Holy Spirit. Every Pentecostal since then is just hoping to get back to that fire. They were there with Pentecostal fire. And they had to make decisions concerning the future of the church. And at best they go... Seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. There's a lot of our life that we're going to have to just grapple with an uncertainty of God's will. And then there are other things that God's very clear about his will. Like loving your enemies. That's the part that we like to wiggle out of and say, he really didn't mean what he said. He's... Like, what's God's will? You love your enemies. I don't have to like it to be God's will. Um, he's explicit in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we're to give thanks in everything. Like explicit, this is God's will for you, that you give thanks in every. Like you can't wiggle out of that. So what's God's will? You be thankful. No, 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 no. What's God's will in this situation? You be thankful. Two chapters earlier, or a chapter earlier, he says it's God's will... Your sanctification that you control your bodies from sexual immorality. So what's God's will? You abstain from sexual immorality. I don't get to wiggle out of that one. And so we have to know the things that he's clear about. And there are things he's clear about like healing. We might not know he's clear about it, but he is. Healing is in accordance to his will. Anyone, anytime, of anything. And that's his will. Which then makes us wonder, well, how come so many of us don't experience that? And, because we're charismatics, we yell harder, we quote the verses louder, we speak with strong tone. Like it doesn't say, speak a verse with intensity and we can be confident he hears us. It's like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear, I, God's, like, God's not like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. You weren't intense enough. <laughs> and I would venture to say, how many in this room have prayed for, believed for healing and not experienced it in yourself or someone else? That many people, right? Well, see, when, when things like that happen, then we try to, make more sense of our situation and, and start, that's what I mean by bloating the scripture. We kind of add some peripheral things and stop believing what he says. And you know what? 
there's tons of unanswered questions I have. There's tons of unanswered questions you have. And at some point, we have to make a decision. Do we let our unanswered questions keep us from continuing to stand and believe on God's word? Even if the situations or circumstances of our life still aren't lining up with that. And this is what I felt. The first two, two uh, times of prayer, Sunday in Durant and then Monday right here. Um, I felt a... a I was just impressed with a, a real, the only way I want to say is a heaviness. What I mean by heaviness is something deep in my gut that was like pushing down from sorrow. And uh, it caused me to weep. And I can tell you with the utmost certainty, I am not a man that weeps. It's got to be extreme grief or the Holy Spirit. Because this dude don't weep. You might squeak out a tear, but I don't weep. So I know something is being impressed on me from the Holy Spirit. That was, But I know the Spirit won't cause sorrow. And all I could do is just begin interceding because I know that like, I can scan this crowd and see numerous faces that have in the last 12 months, certainly in the last 36 months, experienced extreme levels of grief and sorrow that have caused unanswered questions, provoked unanswered questions, and a struggle, a tension between what we say we believe and the personal experience you've had. And many times people of faith don't know what to do about that, so we create cliches, we start making excuses. Well, you didn't have enough faith. Like, thank you, Job's friends. <laughs> A Job's statement, what miserable comforters you are. You know what they were doing? Trying to answer things that God was not intending to answer. They were trying to make sense of Job's problems so that they didn't have to experience them. And there's many good-hearted, faith-filled, charismatic people that just don't know what to do with grief and sorrow and loss and unanswered questions. So we start making excuses, trying to create cliched answers, all because we're simply afraid. We don't know what to do. How about grieve with them? That'll go a long way. Might not answer the questions, but it'll actually carry one another's burdens. Because there is a tendency... When we speak things like testimonies, that Revelation speaks about that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And those who've experienced this, they love not their life unto the very end. And there's a tendency when giving testimony that if you're grieving or in sorrow or have numerous unanswered questions, to actually begin to revolt against that. Good for you, what about me? Maybe you're God's favorite because that didn't happen for me. And if we're going to treat God like a vending machine, that if we just figure out the cheat code, then he, just, he has to do something for us. It's like God's not your, your butler. 
There's not a vending machine. You don't, there's, no co- there's no cheat code to God's promises. There's Jesus. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. How do I make sense of this? I don't. I just know that God fully participated in the fullness of every man's sorrows by taking upon himself the sorrows of man into death. Isaiah 53, 6-ish. I I should have gotten the geographic location a little bit better, but it's about verse 6, maybe verse 4. That it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Carried our sorrows. That when we are in the deepest of sorrow and hurt, of pain. Jesus has been right there and carried our sorrows. Not so that sorrow just gets brushed aside, but so that it's carried all the way through into new life. And what I have the utmost confidence in is not being able to answer people's unanswered questions. Otherwise, I am nervous about being Job's friends. And many pastors trying to help are miserable comforters. Many church friends trying to help become miserable comforters. Rather than trying to give you cliches, what I have the confidence of is that in the end, whenever the end is, If it's immediate, coming soon, or another five generations, another 10,000 years. We don't know. I don't know. That in the end, he will make everything right. And, and, And he says everything, all things being made new. That means that the unanswered questions I have will either A, be answered, or B, be so eclipsed by joy, so eclipsed by the the, the peace that only is in the, the full resurrection of God's new world, that those questions won't matter. So right now, in this moment, the choice I have is that I just stand and believe no matter what, even if it, quote, doesn't work out for you, or I give up. I guess kind of my only options. I don't believe. I do believe or I don't believe. And so I just, personally, uh, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, when my wife and I lost our first child, to miscarriage was if I never bat a thousand with faith, I'm just going to go down swinging. If I lose every single time, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm going to, I'm going to believe all the way through. And if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to assume God's going to make it right. I'm going to keep working on me. I'm going to keep working on my faith. I'm going to keep standing and believing. I'm going to keep nurturing an imagination filled with faith. And if in the meantime something gets lost, we lose someone close, 
a relationship ends prematurely, a, a career dies too early. In the midst of all that, will grieve, will sorrow, we're supposed to belong to a church according to Romans chapter 12, that we weep with those that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. We don't look at the weeping person and say, sorry, you need to rejoice. No, 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 we weep with them. All while we're carrying and growing and maturing. We don't have all this figured out. But I'm going to take him at his word. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God delights in his ear being open to you. And if we know he hears us, then we do believe he's intelligent enough to comprehend what we are asking. And I can tell you that God's delight is to fulfill his will, to execute his will. It's his delight for his will to be enacted. But for whatever reason, he structured the cosmos that it doesn't happen automatically except in sovereign judgment. The way God's will is enacted outside of sovereign judgment is in partnership with humanity. And the primary means by which his will is executed on earth as it is in heaven is through prayer. The one place we have where Jesus makes it explicitly clear his kingdom, your father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Sorry, King James. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was the context those verses are put in? When you pray, say this. When you pray, speak this. Prayer is the primary means by which his will is enacted in this world. And so instead of me just going, God, you're just going to do whatever you're going to do. My role is to know his will. And in knowing his will, whatever situation I'm in the middle of that does not align with his will... I ask, your will be done in this situation, on earth, here, in this relationship, in my finances, in my body, as it is in heaven. And I'm confident you hear me, and maybe I speak with authority because I need to, you know, tell, remind the devil that he's a defeated enemy. So sometimes it's got to stir up with some passion and intensity, but it's not your passion and intensity that's going to make God hear you. It's asking according to his will. We know he hears us. We know we have it. We have it. And not only we have it, but God's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that's at work within us all to the glory of him. And so, how many of you in this moment have a financial situation where you need God's will to be done? You're in the midst of a financial situation. There's no shame in this. Financial situation. Okay. Whatever that need is, it cannot in any way bankrupt heaven. Everything belongs to God anyway. 
to where he could meet that need a hundred times over and not bat an eye. So faith says, okay, I can ask not anything according to my greed, but anything according to his will that meets my need because Philippians 4, his word is his will. Philippians 4, my God shall provide for all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, which exceed and abundantly all that I could ask, think, or imagine. And so my imagination's too small. It's only, if it's only as big as my need, then my faith is too small. Because he can do more. I had a dream. I was meeting with an extremely wealthy person. Like someone I don't know. Like, like you know, the people out there that, the billionaire type. Like, like I'm, I'm having a conversation and this person asked me, what do you need for that vision? And before the dream was up, I spent $300 million of his money. It's like, I, I, think, I think $300 million will get close. And then I was in a conversation with someone about it, and he goes, times it by 10. I need, three, I need $3 billion. I need $3 billion. And like $3 billion will not bat God's eye. Now, I seriously doubt anyone's going to be writing me a $3 billion check. So my faith is not that that person is going to come and write a $300 million check. First, it was to challenge my faith. If I'm believing, because I'm right now, the immediate need is $4 million in two years. I don't have $4 million. And that's not me personally. That's for one thing in the ministry, $4 million in about 18 to 24 months. I don't have it. We don't have it. So God's got it. <laughs> That's not including the, the, I mean, the dozens and dozens of other things in ministry to reach our cities, to see our city transformed, that, I mean, is probably going to be about $3 billion. I don't have it. But see, like, that's, God's able to do even more. And that's challenging me to go, okay, if I'm only afraid of this one tiny little need getting met, then I'm not seeing from his perspective. And so faith says, okay, no, 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 I can ask anything according to his will. And I know he hears me. And I'll have it. I might not be when I think I should get it. But I have it. If I, my, my wife, my, my children are experiencing a physical ailment, God's will, non-negotiably, is that they be healed. And not just receive a miracle for that healing, but to live in total and complete health. we, we got to get through just the believing God for the miracle and then live a life that keeps putting ourselves in the position. Yes, God, God wants to give you a miracle. He also wants you to live healthy. God wants to meet that financial need, but he wants you to be able to handle so much money, you can't help but give more and more away. So, so I'm, I can ask anything according to his will. And I'm confident he hears me, and I'm confident we have it. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to constantly be aware of all the ways we just don't, either don't ask or don't believe. And part of what we're trying to do in 10 days of prayer, is not try to get you to do something, like show up to prayer every night. Great. 
Fantastic. If you can, great. What we want is to be a church that's in total alignment to God's will. Because he will execute his will. And he, want, he, will, he will do it with a willing people. And I, I, want, I don't want to just be that for me. I want we. I want us to be that church. I can't speak for other churches. I can speak for this one. We want to be people who are in alignment to his will. That in prayer, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we live in such a way by faith that we stand in the confidence that we enact his will. We enact his kingdom. Romans 14 says the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace, and joy that's in the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we're saying, your righteousness, your peace, your joy come in the Holy Spirit as it is in heaven. Joy is the most difficult fruit of the Spirit for me. I don't know why. I seem like a pretty like, chill guy, right? I have for years struggled with joy. <laughs> you, you, got, you got your struggle. I just I have the microphone, so I guess it's okay that I'd be vulnerable with you. I, and, and not too long ago, I was, I, was, I was in one of the most difficult situations I've been in in my adult life and have to do something very difficult. And I, I was struggling. I was struggling with it. I was, I was struggling in my mind. I was struggling in my heart. I knew the right thing to do, but I know the right thing to do is hard. And um, I was in my prayer time in my time with the Lord. And what, what is, there's years of wrestling with God. You know, God, why am I not more joyful? <laughs> he just, he dropped something in my heart, complete change, just like in a moment, and changed my entire perspective about that situation, just in a brief, I mean, it, 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 was, it was less than a snap of my finger complete turnaround and just full of joy that's 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 praying your kingdom come in this situation and God delivering oh man in the 11th hour but he delivered and so we pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then we live in alignment to what we pray and that's how this works that's how God's will gets enacted and the gap we see between God's will and our current experience gets filled by us in prayer and then living from that place of prayer. That's what this means. It's not about strong-arming God. It's not about getting Jubilee to be a super exciting event, though I hope it is. It's about, are we the people who will live like this? Well, we have to practice that. You have to practice it. You have to prepare for it. And we practice it. That's what we're doing. And so I, um, I'm going to have the worship team come back up. Before we come to the table, I want to take some time and, and, and practice this. So as the worship team is coming, um, especially so many of you guys are really good at taking notes. And if you're not, you can think about this, but I think it helps to put something tangible if you have to type it in your phone. What are you believing God for right now? What do you need God to show up in? 
Is it your finances? Is it, a, is it bills coming that you can't pay? Or is it a, 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 a long debt that you've been like trying to dig out of? Is it, um, you know, the current problems and, and inflation of life has, has struggled, you've struggled to be able to, you need a raise or you need a new opportunity or maybe you're in between jobs and you need a new opening or maybe it's, it's something in your body that, that you're physically or, or, or maybe your spouse or your friend or your family that you know you need healing. What is it that you need God's will to be done? Or, or maybe um, your business is doing good, but you know you're called to do great. It's, it's going okay, but like it needs to be great. God, you, you need to know God wants your business to succeed. Poverty is not synonymous with being spiritual. That's probably worth a whole teaching. They're not the same thing. Poverty is not automatically more spiritual. Okay? But neither is being wealthy more spiritual either. Being a good steward and a blessing, that's God's will. He wants to bless you. Oh, he wants to bless you more than you think you can even be blessed. Because part of being blessed, we're, we're practicing being a blessing. Is it in a relationship? Maybe it's a child that is far from God. Or a friend or sibling or family member that's living a lifestyle that is intentionally moving them away from God. What is it that you're believing for? That especially when it gets, it gets in the line of if God doesn't show up, then whatever. That's, that's, the moment, that's, like, that's the moment where your faith really gets tested when you're at that line. If God doesn't show up, then. So what is it that you're believing for? What are you standing for? And then what's God's will concerning that situation? What's God's will in that situation? Workplace drama. It's terrible. Nobody likes it and everybody jumps in and participates. What's God's will? Being peacemakers. Not peacekeepers, peacemakers. Peacemakers goes into conflict, goes into chaos, and brings peace. Is it physical sickness? God's will. Total, complete healing. Total and complete. Full health. That's God's will. Is it financial? God's will is to provide for your needs. To bless you abundantly. God's will. Is it a lost child, lost friend, lost family member? As a matter of fact, that one explicitly out of the mouth of Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. The very next thing Jesus did was send his disciples as laborers. Maybe our witnessing is a struggle because it's not bathed in prayer first. Pray.
prayer is how God's will, whatever that situation is, is how God's will gets enacted. And if it's a financial need, God has 10 times that, 100 times that, that he can and wants to bless you with. Why don't you stand with me? Or in the very least, you can stand if you want to. The or is, or whatever posture of prayer. If you're standing in faith, it makes a little more sense to align your body with what spiritually you're doing. But sitting is perfectly fine. Whatever posture of prayer. Andrew, would you start ministering to the Lord? You can do it in the key of whatever the next song prepared is. We'll get to the song. But the, the presence of the Lord is here. Not because any of us, maybe some of us, but any of us have ooey-gooey feelings or goosebumps about it. But um, this was something the, the Lord showed me in my prayer uh, yesterday morning. That in Philippians chapter 4, where verse 4, he says, Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. And someone who struggles with joy, it's nice that that's repeated twice. Knowing that it's my choice. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. And he says, this is the ESV. Let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. I'll come back to that phrase. The Lord is at hand. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer... And supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and in that process the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep and that word means to govern or stand guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus and usually I start with verse 6 don't be anxious about anything and so it's important that I go back to verse 4 to remind myself I get to choose joy but the verse after that, let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. I've always read that and in my mind thought, okay, the Lord's coming is imminent. And saw it in the context of time. Because the Lord's return is imminent, the Lord's at hand, the Lord's return is imminent. I can be anxious for nothing and through, through prayer and something. But it's the same phrase that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, where he says, Repent, for the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. And I know how to read my Bible. He's not talking primarily about time when he says that. He's talking about space. The kingdom of God being something at hand. Your phone probably is at hand, meaning it's within reach. So the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within reach. And for whatever reason, I'd never connected those. No, no, no. The Lord is within reach. So don't be anxious about anything. Now, I, I can theologically say, oh yeah, of course, I believe in the omnipresence of God. Yeah, you know what? Stop theology for a second. Do you actually live like that's true? And I recognize, okay, wait a second. There's moments I don't. I just am not thinking about the nearness of God. And that's when anxiety comes. 
that's when fear comes. And so Paul's encouragement about rejoicing and not being afraid or anxious is connected to both Jesus' presence and prayer. So let's come into the presence of the Lord. Recognize Jesus at hand, present right now, with you, for you, in you, around you. And we bring that need before him. You bring that situation, problem, challenge, need, right before him. And we bring it to him and we ask. We ask for his will in that situation to be done. So to practice this with me, as I begin to pray... You can pray with me, but be praying for that situation as well. And begin to allow your imagination to grow and expand, to see in your imagination that need being totally and completely met. Whatever that is. What will that moment be when that need gets met? When you experience the healing, when your child comes home, when you no longer have to take that medication, when the bill collectors stop calling and the bank starts calling to offer you loans because they see how good steward you are. When that check in the mail comes surprisingly out of nowhere, what will that moment be See that need met. Let your, let your imagination, Holy Spirit, anoint our imagination to see the completion of your will executed in our life. Anoint our, the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened to see that hope. May we dare to hope again that those who have sorrowed, those who've had hope deferred and their heart has become sick. Everyone here that whose heart has become sick because of hope deferred. Holy Spirit anoint, uh, ignite within them the capacity to hope once again. And may that hope ignite a present tense faith. To still believe that you are still trustworthy. Jesus I thank you that you are trustworthy. You're worthy of our trust. Hebrews 10 says, The God who promised is the God who is faithful. We trust in your faithfulness. Not in our ability to understand what's going on. Not in our ability to understand or get questions answered. But we trust your faithfulness in all things. You will be faithful to us. You will be faithful to us. And you invite us and call us to be faithful back to you. So right now, we align ourselves in faithfulness to you. 
We still stand on your word and stand for your will. So whatever situation we're dealing with, we ask according to your will with the confidence that you hear us and that we have it. And we know that healing is, in, is within your will. And so I speak to every broken bone. I speak to every ill organ. I speak to any disease, any virus. And I command the word of God to take hold of your body. That the people we've brought into your presence that might not be here right now, but we're standing in the gap for their healing. We speak your divine word of healing. You sent forth your word to heal them. And so we send forth your word. We release angelic activity, ministering spirits to go to the person in need, maybe in the hospital, maybe stuck at home, maybe suffering. That we speak, we release angelic ministering spirits to go minister to them, to deliver the word of God of their total and complete healing in the name of Jesus. Ignite our imagination to see ourselves totally and completely healthy. Not just injury free, but completely healthy. Not just disease free, but completely and totally healthy in the name of Jesus. Ignite our imagination to see ourselves running if we can't run. Walking if we can't walk. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is not our ability. It is not even our, 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 char our charisma. It is your blood that was shed that has given forth the possibility for our healing. So we reach out and receive of the kingdom of God and receive the word of healing and speak it into our bodies in the name of Jesus. Ignite that spirit of faith on the inside of us to speak your word, to speak with faith that our words are filled with faith. We repent of letting our words be poisoned with doubt and unbelief and despair. And may new words be put in our mouth that speak forth as the sword of the Spirit in cutting into any spirit of infirmity that's coming against us, any disease or virus that's coming against us. I speak the word and we speak it as a sword. May our mouths be filled with the sword of the Spirit to speak that word in the name of Jesus because it is that name the name of Jesus that is above every name. It's not our ability to say the name. It's our faith in standing in that name that we speak forth and speak that name over any disease. It doesn't matter what Latin word that disease is called. Jesus' name is above it. And so we speak the name of Jesus over every situation. I speak the name of Jesus over clouded and clouded minds full of confusion or despair. I thank you for anointing that mind with the spirit of joy. That the spirit of heaviness that we carry in be released and a garment of praise be given in the name of Jesus. Lord, ignite our imagination with people seeing people come into this house with a spirit of heaviness but leaving with the garment of praise. I thank you that for igniting our imagination to see over and above possibilities beyond our imagination. I speak the, the word that pharmacies will be unable to sell antidepressants because there's no need for them in this city. I, we command the spirit of fear to be gone. That's not, that spirit is not from you, Lord Jesus. And we ignite the Holy Spirit to push back that spirit. That spirit's not welcome here. That spirit's not welcome in our minds. That spirit's not welcome in our bodies. The spirit's not welcome in our workplaces. That spirit is not welcome in our homes. We command an eviction notice to the spirit of fear right now. And we release the spirit of power 
the spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind over our clear thinking to see clearly the kingdom of God that is in righteousness and peace and joy that's in the Holy Spirit. May a spirit of joy overtake us where there's been despair and depression. I command the, the suicide rates to decrease to zero in this city in the name of Jesus. That suicide will be gone in this region in the name of Jesus. Expand our minds to see what the kingdom of God looks like in a whole city where righteousness restores the streets where there is poverty and despair. May there be blessing overflow. May there be generosity overflow. That we are so blessed we cannot keep it all. We have to give it. Thank you for enabling us to see to see the abundance of your kingdom, the abundance of your riches that overflow toward us to meet every single need. We speak to every financial need and we command the resources of heaven into every one of those needs. I thank you for every business leader, every manager, everyone in the marketplace having the spirit of wisdom. We speak the spirit of wisdom to see clearly, to see opportunities, where everybody else in the secular world begins to shrink back. May you anoint us with power and faith and wisdom to step forward where others are shrinking back. It is within your will that even in famine we can reap a hundredfold return. So I speak a hundredfold return over every business, every, every leader who's responsible for finances that might be plagued with fear and uncertainty. I speak the spirit of wisdom. I speak the spirit of faith that we can operate far and above, that our personal businesses can have an economy bigger than a region in the name of Jesus, that this church houses an economy that's bigger than the tax brackets of this whole region because we operate in so much blessing that the resources of heaven flow so much through this church that poverty is decreased that poverty begins to hit net zero that no child goes hungry that there's not a single hungry person in this whole county because of the blessing of the Lord that flows through us may our eyes see May our eyes see people as you see them, Lord. And may our eyes see with the eyes of faith that sees beyond the problem, that sees beyond the challenge, that sees beyond what our natural eyes see and anoint with us a eyes of heaven to see people as you see them, to call people up as you've called them. May that purpose be rejuvenated. I, we ask according to your will, that the clarity of our purpose be reignited in us where we have been purposeless or apathetic or in despair may a purpose re be rejuvenated our ears be open i speak to our ears being open to hear clearly the hope of our calling the hope that draws us forward in the kingdom of god that hope that moves us in the direction of the fulfillment of your will. May our lives live in alignment to the execution and fulfillment of your will on earth as it is in heaven. We stand on your word. We believe your word. We speak your word with authority. Your kingdom come 
in my life. Your righteousness, your peace, and your joy come in our life, in our family, in our businesses. Your, your peace be in our homes. Your joy be in our hearts. Your peace and righteousness be in our workplaces. Your peace, your righteousness, your joy flood these streets. That's your kingdom, and we live in alignment with your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your plans and your purposes, your desires and your pleasures be fulfilled in us and through us as it is in heaven. Give us the eyes of heaven to see your will fully executed in heaven. And may we have the grace and strength and reliance upon you to live out that will, that perfect will in this life right here and right now. That heaven invade earth through this church in this season, in this moment, and we execute the will of heaven. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Expand our eyes to see your greatness. Not focus on our problems, but focus on your presence. Expand our vision to see clearly your greatness that is over and above every challenge we have, over and above every enemy that's fighting against us, that the enemy has no authority over our lives. We command the enemy to be reminded you are defeated and you are not welcome here anymore. That the strongholds that have plagued our, for generations, our region or our family, we command them to be torn down in the name of Jesus. That this is a generation that divorce decreases. This is a generation that suicide decreases. This is a generation that poverty decreases. And righteousness, peace, joy expand and grow at new heights and new levels far beyond our imagination, far beyond what we can see with our natural eyes and mind. We thank you for an imagination of heaven to be expanded and overflow in and through us for your greatness to be seen and known so that we live for the glory of the name of Jesus. May Jesus be glorified in all things and in every way. And through this church, in everything we do, may the name of Jesus be glorified. The kingdom of God expand. The presence of Jesus be known and transform our lives, transform this region in the name of Jesus. Just begin to give God praise and rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. We rejoice, Jesus. We rejoice in your will. We rejoice and delight in your character and your faithfulness. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you're doing. We see with our eyes the fulfillment of your will. We thank you and we rejoice with everything, with all of our words and all of our heart. It's all for you. It's all for you. You are one and only. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and rejoice and glorify your name. Just keep praising and rejoicing and loving Him, adoring Him. Our affection is for you, Jesus.